glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. You'll turn there. We'll begin reading in verse 10 and read through verse 20. We're going to look at a passage that I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, but I want to focus our attention on just one part of this passage tonight. The Apostle Paul, of course, writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, many things of instruction he's given to them, and he's winding up his letter here uh, to them in uh, chapter 6, and we'll drop down to verse 10 to begin reading tonight. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God tonight, and thank you, Lord, for each one that's here this evening. Pray, God, you bless the word to our hearts. May you strengthen us, encourage us in our walk with you. And, Lord, uh, direct my thoughts and words, please, Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in these final instructions that the Apostle Paul is giving here to the church at Ephesus, it's very evident that there is a spiritual warfare going on in the life of a Christian. And it doesn't matter who, what Christian it is. When we get born again into the family of God and become a child of God, we have become an enemy of Satan and we have entered into a spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare. It's not over our salvation, whether we win the battle or lose, whether we're saved or not, because, thank God, that battle's already won, and we've already been promised the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Nonetheless, we have a real enemy out here. He's named here in this passage. Satan is our enemy, uh, the devil our enemy, uh, of course, the world and the flesh. The Apostle Paul here 
in light of the fact that these believers need to realize there is a, a real war going on, a battle going on, a spiritual battle, uh, they are encouraged and instructed uh, concerning putting on uh, spiritual armor. And uh, he, he likens the armor, the physical armor of a soldier uh, to that of spiritual armor uh, in the spiritual, uh, spiritual sense. And uh, you have probably been through a study uh, in the past on the, these different aspects, different pieces of armor and what they represent and what they mean in the life of a Christian. And every one of them have a significance. And the Bible says we're to put on the whole armor. We're not to leave out any piece of it or any part of it. All of it's valuable. All of it's important. And if we put on the whole armor of God as he's told us to, then we are able to stand and be able to withstand the attack of Satan and stand for God and be victorious in our lives. And I'm glad, thank God, we've already been promised the victory, aren't you? Uh, and I'm glad that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But I want you to notice in verse 18, and sometimes we, we, we don't associate this part of the, what Paul's saying to the armor. But he says, praying always. Once you put on all the pieces of the armor, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. It is absolutely essential. Not only are we to put on and wear our spiritual armor, and by the way, when he says put on the whole armor of God, that's not something God puts on for us. That, is, that implies that you and I have a personal responsibility to put these things in, into our lives, spiritually speaking. We have a, a personal obligation uh, to an exercise in putting on our armor. But he says here, uh, once we put our armor on, here's something we don't leave, we want to leave out. Praying always, I like that word always there, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance uh, and supplication for all saints. So part of the spiritual warfare is praying. Amen? How many of you know it's a battle to pray consistently and effectually uh, like the Lord tells us to? I don't know about you. I've been saved almost 50 years now, and I still don't have this thing down. Uh, but And I think the reason why we struggle with it many times the way we do is because one thing, it's a prayer is is... Uh, totally in opposition to our flesh. Our flesh wants to do things our own way and do our own thing. Prayer is an act of faith and coming to God with our needs and so on, and we're dependent on the Lord. And uh, Satan knows the power of prayer. I think he works hard at, uh, in, at, at trying to discourage us and distract us from praying. And, of course, the world uh, the world, and, and the idea of prayer is, is, is something silly in the eyes of the world. The world's idea is, listen, we are who we are. We make our own self. We don't need prayer. But prayer is vital in this matter of being victorious in the, in the life of Christian. But I, I want to get down to this part of it when we're talking about the subject of prayer. He says we're to be praying with all, with, uh, uh, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In other words, we're to be praying uh, in the Holy Spirit. We're to be in communion with the Holy Spirit. And, of course, the Holy Spirit uh, himself maketh intercessions for us and enables us and encourages us and helps us 
in our prayer life. So we're to be praying in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so we're, we're instructed here to pray for all saints, pray for one another. Amen? How many of you are glad somebody prays for you? Amen. And we need to pray for one another. But now notice this, and here's where I want to go tonight. Verse, eight, verse 19, the Apostle Paul, writing this under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he says, praying with supp- and supplication for all saints. And then notice he said in verse 19, and for me. Now, Paul gives a lot of instruction in the Word of God to, to believers, but here we find the Apostle Paul making a request for himself. He's saying to these, these Ephesian believers, he said, when you pray, you pray for and make supplication for all saints, and then you pray for me. Pray for me. Can you imagine the, the great Apostle Paul asking people to pray for him? Apostle Paul, God used him in a great and mighty way. We know that. He penned half of the New Testament. He preached the gospel all over the known world, had multiple con, uh, con, uh, 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 converts and, and could work miracles and raise the dead and all those things. And yet Paul is asking these believers, and we've got to realize these believers would be people just like you and I tonight. Just common, ordinary people been born again by the, uh, by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, have believed on the Savior and Paul's asking them and tell, instructing them to pray for him. And I want us to think for a few minutes tonight because the Apostle Paul uh, makes a request for prayer several times in the Scriptures. I don't know if you've ever noticed it or not, but we're going to look at those tonight. And, and I want us to think tonight about the plea, the plea of the preacher. The plea of the preacher. I, I have preached... Uh, this message and along these lines uh, in many different churches over the years, not only in the churches I pastored, uh, but I have preached this message in other places because I think it's an important message. I think it's one that's needed, and I think it's one that many times pastors and preachers are appreciative of, but it, it, it's very rare that they'll preach it themselves. And so... And I'm not preaching this tonight with the thought in mind that you don't pre—that you don't pray for your pastor or that you don't pray for your preacher because I, I believe you probably do. But I just want us to see tonight, even the Apostle Paul, this great preacher that he was and pastor at times, he's asking people to pray for him. And I think uh, sometimes we not only do we underestimate the value of prayer in general, but I'm, I, I think sometimes we're not careful we underestimate the value of praying for the preacher, of praying for the preacher. Now, someone said uh, a long time ago, a preacher said this. He said, if you learn to pray for the preacher or your pastor, if you learn to pray for him, uh, then you are actually, you actually have a part when he gets up and preaches and, and there's fruit that comes from that, then when you pray consistently and effectually for your pastor and he preaches the word of God and there are results, spiritually speaking, uh, from that preaching, you have actually invested in and have become a part of uh, that whole ministry. Amen? And that's an encouraging thing. You know, we, we live in a day when a lot of people are, are personality worshipers. And uh, some men promote that. They shouldn't, but they do. 
Other people just take it upon themselves. Men like to worship men. But, you know, we need to get away from the idea that everything in the service on a Sunday morning or whenever it is rises and falls on whatever that man can do in the pulpit. Because that man is just human. Amen. He's, he's a human just like anybody else. And uh, we need to realize uh, there's more uh, to spiritual results in a service than just a man getting up and preaching from an outline or preaching a message. Uh, there must be the Spirit of God at work. Amen? The Holy Spirit of God must work in people's hearts. The Word of God must go forth in power. It must be able to convince and to convert and to convict uh, to the place where people can be born again. And that takes, that takes a spiritual work, and that needs to be bathed in prayer. And that man of God that stands in the pulpit uh, he needs people praying for him. He can't do it all himself. And uh, it doesn't take long when you're preaching to find out you can't do it all yourself. I'll be honest with you. There's been times when I've got up and preached, and I, I, I realized I am not getting anything across here. I'm, I'm, I'm spinning my wheels. I'm digging a hole, and it's getting deeper all the time, and I'm trying to figure out how to get out, and I'm not doing too well. And uh, that happens sometimes. Then there's other times when you feel like you've been totally, you've not prepared enough. You just don't feel like uh, you just, you know, you're not sure you can get anything done. But God came, to, God comes through, and He comes to uh, to the, the aid of of your preaching, and God begin it works in people's hearts and minds, and you realize somebody must have been praying for me along the way. And I don't know if a preacher has any sense at all that doesn't appreciate people that pray for him. And I, I appreciate it, and I'm sure you already pray for your pastor, but I just want to use this time. He's gone anyway, and I want to use this time to just encourage you uh, to pray for your pastor. Pray for any preacher that comes up here and preaches a message or even a meeting, comes and preaches. Uh, if you, you'll, be a benefit, you'll benefit from it if you will invest some time in praying for the preacher. Now, notice here in this, in this verse, Paul mentions three things here that I want to point out, and then we'll go to a couple other places tonight. Uh, he said, "He said, and for me, pray for me." And he says that utterance may be given unto me, for I may that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therefore I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. There's three things here I want to point out that Paul asked these believers to pray for him about. Number one, he said, "Pray." For me, that utterance may be given unto me. That utterance may be given. In other words, that I may speak precisely. That I may, that I may have the right words to say. Remember when Paul talked about coming to one of the churches, he said, I didn't, I didn't come with excellency of speech. I didn't come with this and I didn't come with that, but I came in the power of the Spirit. And you know what? Every preacher needs uh, he needs to have uh, an utterance from God. In other words, he needs to be able to say exactly what God wants him to say and say it in the way God wants him to say it. And that is one of the ways you can pray for a man of God is pray that God gives him the right words to say at the right time. Amen? That's an important thing. Because sometimes we can say the right thing and say it in the wrong way. You ever heard anybody do that? Maybe you've done it yourself. Or we can say the wrong thing, and it, and it sounds good, but we realize it was the wrong thing to do. So he said, pray, number one, uh, that, uh, that I speak with the right words. 
That makes sense. Amen? And uh, every pastor that has a fear of the Lord and understands his responsibility before God wants to be careful that he says the right things. There's nothing the devil would like better than to trip a man up while he's in the middle of preaching and get him to say something he really didn't mean to say, say something that really wasn't doctrinally correct or sound, say something that would be offensive to people in a way that shouldn't, that he shouldn't have offended them. The devil loves to do that. And any preacher that preaches that for a while, he's going to do it. Amen. Now, you know what carnal people, carnal Christians will sit back when the preacher just can't seem to get his, to get things in gear. Ever sat and listened to a preacher and he just couldn't seem to get it in gear? And you may be doing that right now. Uh, I hope you're not. <laughs> but a carnal Christian will sit back and say, boy, he, he just blew it today. He must have not studied all week. He sure didn't do a very good job. You know what a spiritual person would do is say, Lord, please help my preacher. Help him right now. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. I guarantee the preacher will appreciate it, even if he never knows it. God will honor you for that. And that, that's, that's showing, you know what, it's like, it's like Aaron and her when Moses had to, to hold up his arms so Joshua could have victory in the battle down, down there on the, in the valley. As long as Moses' arms were lifted up, Joshua was having the victory. When his arms got tired and went down, then the enemy was getting the victory. And so Aaron and her came along and they held up the arms of Moses. He had the power, but he needed help holding his arms up. And that's what we do when we pray for the preacher. Amen? And so uh, we can pray that the Lord gives him the right words to say at the right time and in the right way. And then notice something else he says. He said, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Open my mouth boldly. Now, this matter of boldly, not being a smart aleck, but it's understanding I have the truth, I know the truth, I have a responsibility to give the truth, and God give me boldness to preach the truth of the Word of God. The Bible says that the right, righteous the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen? So if we're going to pray that the pastor has boldness, you know, I'll be honest with you, we're living in a day that it takes some boldness to preach the truth of God's Word. I'm not talking about preaching in, in a, an apologetic way, apologizing for the truth. That's a pathetic thing. Better off not to preach the truth at all than to apologize for it once you preach it. And some people just choose not to preach it at all. But if we're going to preach the truth, we need to be bold where God is bold. We need to be certain where God is certain and stand where God has told us to stand, not being a smart aleck, not trying to hurt people, but to boldly proclaim the Word of God. Uh, we, we need to do that. Men of God, if there's ever a day when men of God need to be bold in preaching the Word. I'll tell you what, this Sodomite crowd's got plenty of boldness. Isn't that true? And you know what? We've lost them many times. Many people have lost their boldness. And there is a lack of boldness today in the pulpits of America and the churches. There's a lack of it. Of just standing up and standing on the Word, not preaching our opinions, not preaching what we think people want to hear, but simply stand up and proclaim, Thus saith the Lord God. Your preacher needs power. He needs boldness when he preaches. Amen? And so we can pray for boldness. In Acts chapter 4, uh, you know what I find? I find those, those Christians over there, they didn't pray that God would fill them with the Holy Spirit. They prayed for 
boldness. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31, now, turn over there, if you will. Let's look at that for a moment. In Acts chapter 4 and uh, verse 29, the Bible says there, let me find it. Acts 4, 29, they're in the middle of praying, and it says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done. By the name of that, thy holy child, Jesus. So the disciples in the early days of the church were praying for boldness. What a need for that today. Your pastor, I promise you, needs to have people praying for him to give him boldness as he preaches the word of God. The idea of boldness is to not be intimidated. Not to be intimidated by the enemy. Amen? How many of you found yourself sometimes when you... You were prompted by the Spirit of God. You should have spoke up and said something and been bold in saying something about what was said or what was seen or what was heard or whatever, but you were intimidated by the people that were doing the wrong thing. Instead of speaking up boldly and saying something, didn't say anything. I've been guilty. It would be a, It might be a different world if we were a little more bold about our witnessing. So the man of God needs prayer for boldness. And then I want you to notice again, Back in, in Ephesians 6, verse 19 again, he said, And as for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. He said, the, the idea there is he said to make known. It's one thing to speak. It's another for people to understand what you've said. So the idea here is praying for clarity, for clarity of the message. So that when the, when the pastor preaches, that God gives him the words to say, the exact words he needs, that God gives him the boldness and the spirit of boldness uh, that he may preach as the Holy Spirit would have him preach, and then he would preach with clarity so that people understand what was said. They get the message. I mean, there's no doubt in their mind what was said and why it was said. And people, when the preacher gets up to preach the gospel, his desire is when he gets through, people understand what the gospel is, they know what they need to do to be saved. They know, need to, they know that they need to be saved. That's clarity. Amen. A lot of confusion out here. The devil's the author of confusion. God's not. And the devil likes to muddy up things and muddle up things. And so the pastor would appreciate it uh, when people are praying that God helps him to preach with clarity. Amen. And sometimes that means uh, preaching with simplicity and preaching the simplicity for instance, of the gospel. And so Paul says, pray for me, please, about these three matters. Then I want you to notice, uh, if you will, in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> Let me get back over here where I want to be. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says here, Finally, brethren, pray for us. Now, Paul not only addressed the church and the people at Ephesus and asked them to pray for him, but he's also addressing the church at Thessalonica, these Thessalonian believers who he loved, who he had poured his life into, whom he had discipled. 
He's asking them. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. And Paul many times would use that word us uh, in the plural when he's implying himself instead of using the singular. But he said here, pray for us. So his request again, his plea again is for his brethren to pray for him. Now notice what he said. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. I looked up that word free course or those two words to see just what is meant there. And the meaning of those words is uh, rapidly propagated, a rapid propagation. Uh, today, uh, Brother Nevin sent a text and asked us to pray uh, that they would get 6,000 John and Romans out today. Some of you probably got that message and prayed for them. And what he was saying was, pray, or please pray that we have rapid propagation. <laughs> Amen. We want to get this word out quickly today. We want to cover as much ground and as much area as we can. Why? Because we're limited in our time. That's the whole idea. They've only got tomorrow and they're finished. Now the Apostle Paul said, he said, pray for us that the word of God, the word of the Lord may have free course. In other words, that the word of God, that we can get the word of God out and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ out as rapidly as possible. He, Paul said in another place, we're to be redeeming the time. Why? Because the, the time is short. We've only got a small season of time to work. And Paul realized uh, his time was going to be short, and he wanted to get as much of the Word of God out and as much of the truth he could get out as he possibly could, as quickly as he could, because he knew his time was short. And, of course, we ought to have that attitude ourselves. But uh, for, the, for the, the pastor, the pastor wants, uh, there's no doubt, a man, has a, a man of God that has a heart for the things of God and the work of God, he wants to get as much of the truth out as he can, as quickly as he can. Amen? And that's why you have the schedules you do about visitation and soul winning and the jail ministry and the bus ministry and the radio ministry and all those things. But pray, pray for your pastor uh, that God helps him with his time schedule. We're talking about time here. Amen? One of the things a pastor has to deal with is balancing his time. Amen? He's the pastor of the church. He's a father. He's a husband and all those different things going on, just like you have to balance your time. You've got to juggle things around. Well, so does the man of God. Amen. And you can pray. One of the things you can do to help him is to pray that God helps him to order his time and to order his day that it will be the most effective. Amen. You say, well, if I pray that, what does that mean? That means the Lord can help him. Amen. How many believe that? You, we pray for that. And God can help him to order his day and his time. And so uh, that is something you can do to be a blessing to a pastor, and that will be a help uh, to you personally. Then I want you to notice, again, he said, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. He said, Pray for us that when we preach the word of God, that the word of God is glorified. Amen. He wants the Word of God to get the glory. He wants the message to get the glory. He wants God to get the glory and not man. Now, you know what that speaks of here, Paul? It speaks of his humility. How many of you ever wrestle with the subject of pride? Anybody here besides me? 
How many of you believe pastors wrestle with that? Sure. And one of the things that you can do to pray for your pastor is pray that God would help him and enable him to keep a humble spirit. Amen? Pride comes in a lot of different forms. I call it the most respectable sin on the planet because the world looks at pride with mostly an attitude of respect. The truth of the matter is God says it's an abomination. He hates it. But one of the things every man of God, if if he's a real man of God, he appreciates is for people to pray for him that he would have a humble spirit and keep a humble spirit. Amen? His words may be right. His... his, uh, his power may be right. His delivery may be right. His All those things may be right. And he can have all those things right and get proud of it. Amen. He can get results and get proud of it. Converts and be proud of it. And so he has to guard his heart against pride. And so that's one of the areas where his people can help him. Let's pray the Lord. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean cut his pay in half and keep him poor so you can keep him humble. That's some people's attitude. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about praying that God help my pastor to just keep a humble spirit that everything he says and does, it's for the glory of God. Help him to keep that spirit and that attitude. I promise you he'll appreciate that. I promise you he will. Then I want you to notice one more place if you will. So Paul here is asking the Thessalonians to pray that the word of God might have free course and that it might be glorified. And then notice again in verse 2, the Bible said, and... And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. You need to pray that God will protect him from enemies. Amen? Uh, there are unreasonable people out here, people that you cannot reason with. No matter what arguments you give them, how much truth you give them, how convincing you are, how much compassion you have for them, there are people that are unreasonable. You cannot reason with them. And those people can be dangerous and do a lot of detriment to a ministry and to a man if they choose to try to do so. And the the man of God, if, if he's a real man of God, he's got a target on his back and he needs protection from unreasonable men and wicked men and men that have no faith in God. And so the pastor needs people praying for him that God would protect him from these kind of people because if he's bold, if he's bold in preaching the word, guess what's going to happen? He's going to make some enemies. He's going to get the attention of some people and some people aren't going to like it. And so he needs he needs people that love him and care for him and believe in the, in the things of God Praying, God, protect my pastors. He's bold in preaching the word of God. Protect him from the enemies of the cross. Amen? He'll appreciate that. Uh, we, we hear all the time now, pastors going to jail. Right up here in your neighbor in Canada, preachers going to jail a few years ago for preaching against sodomy. Now they've been going to jail for just having church services. Amen? And pastors, if they're going to stand and preach the word of God, they need somebody praying for their protection, praying for the protection of their family. If the devil can't get the pastor, guess who he goes after? Goes after his wife, goes after his kids. Amen? He does that. And so, if you will, you know, pray. I'm sure you may already be doing this, but I'm just encouraging. If not, these are some areas where you can pray for your pastor and invest in this ministry. Then go to one more, if you will. 
Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And by the way, your pastor doesn't know or didn't. He doesn't have any idea that I'm preaching this message tonight. He didn't pay me to preach this, so just want you to know that. Hebrews chapter 13. In verse 17. Obey them to have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. So there that's talking about the pastor, obeying the pastor and so on. And then look in verse 18, the apostle Paul, or James here, or not James, but the apostle Paul, I believe, wrote this too under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Again, he says in verse 18, pray for us. It's the third time Paul's asked to pray for us. That for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Two things here I want to point out. Number one, Paul said pray for us for we trust we have a good conscience. You know, it's, 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 it's imperative that a man of God have a good conscience. In other words, he has a good conscience, keeps clear conscience. That has to do with his walk with the Lord. Amen? That has to do with his fellowship. His communion with God. Now, I'll shock you with something. It, it, would, it would be a wise investment for you to pray that your pastor always, and I, and I know he does, but always makes time to commune with the Lord. That he make you pray that he always makes time to spend time in the Word and spend time in prayer and spend time in fellowship with God. It's absolutely essential. Two reasons. He needs prayer and fellowship with God so that he, has, he can walk and have power with God, right? But he also needs that so that he has a good conscience. Because if he knows he's not done that, he's not going to have a good conscience. And that's going to affect his ministry and, and it will be a detriment to him rather than an asset to him. And so you can pray, Lord, help my pastor to always have a good conscience in his in the fact that he keeps constant fellowship and communion with you. Amen? That's a good thing to pray. And I'll be honest with you, pastors need that. Preachers need people praying because that's a battle that preachers face. You can get so involved in ministry, you can leave the Lord out of it. That's just the truth. And you don't have a good conscience when you do that. Amen? How many of you know how, how good it is to have a clear and good conscience? There's power in a clear conscience, isn't there? And so that's something you can pray for your pastor. And finally, he said, pray for us for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Willing to live honestly. Look in Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Romans 12, 17. How do you live honestly? You just walk in the truth. Amen? Walk in the truth. Romans chapter 12 and verse 17. The Bible says, Recompense, I'll get it right, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Amen. Men, pastors need prayer that they'll They'll live honestly, number one, before their God. They'll live honestly with God. 
just like you and I do. We need to live honestly with God, right? That You know what that means? That means we're going to have to, if we're going to be honest with God, that means daily we're going to be confessing some sin before God and asking his forgiveness because there's not a day that goes by that we don't sin. Isn't that true? And so that has to do with keeping a short list of our transgressions and our sins against God, living honestly before God. And then we're not only to live honestly before God, but we're to live honestly before and with men. Amen? Our dealings with people are to be honest. Amen? And uh, so uh, a pastor, just like anybody else, needs prayer that he'll live honestly before God and before men. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. This is Paul asking people to pray for him that he'd live with a good conscience and honestly before men. And I would suspect if the Apostle Paul needed prayer in those areas, every preacher in America needs it. I know I do. I know I do. And Paul realized his vulnerabilities. He realized his vulnerabilities. You know, a man that would say, I don't need anybody praying for me. I can do my own praying. That man is a fool. He's already deceived. Amen. Your pastor will benefit tremendously and appreciate it much and uh, you'll benefit too by praying uh, for your pastor and I'm sure you do uh, but these are just some areas of life that you could think about and of course we could say we could pray for his provisions we pray for his children and so on which we already have but I I hope you appreciate your pastor I'm not saying that just because he's my son <laughs> but I hope you do appreciate your pastor good pastor is a good gift from God. And uh, I, I promise you this, your pastor takes what he's doing very seriously, very seriously. And uh, I, hope, I hope you pray consistently for him. Amen. Mm-hmm.